Okay, good people. This is Dan DeLeon. I am the guest editor for the Spring Equinox edition of All Creation, and I'm really excited to be with my friend Aaron Walter. Aaron and I go way back, and we're excited to be talking with her specifically from her Unitarian Universalist perspective. But I got to talk about how I know this amazing human (laughs) before we get into more official introductions. We first connected, Aaron, from rocking out in Austin, playing in bands. You were in a band called The Personals. That is right. I was in a band called That's Mr. To You. Still one of the greatest band names of all time. Thank you very kindly. I can't uh, take credit for that. That's Morgan Stinson. But even still, we connected with Planet Trophies. Yes, sir. And then played a few shows together. And the rest, as they say, is history on an incredible friendship. But who would have thought serendipitously that our paths would cross with me doing uh, ordained Christian ministry and you in the Unitarian Universalist Church? Yeah. And how long have you been an ordained minister? Because I'm always asking myself whether you were a minister at the time. At the time? Yeah. I was. That's what I thought, but I don't think I knew that at the time. And I was years away from becoming an ordained minister myself. So I just, I smile thinking about that. And I still remember talking with you about seminary or no, and what should I do? And yeah, yeah, I love it. I love the universe. I love the way it all weaves. I'll tell you what, actually, you're still doing music. Tell me first about what you're doing with music now, the band that you're in now. Awesome. Well, I have my own band now that's called Parker Woodland. And since we're talking about the earth, I actually named my band after my neighborhood, after intersections of Parker and Woodland. And so roots and where you live and your neighborhood and how that connects to your people um, is really important to me. We put out an EP I'm like, what year is this now? <laughs> I guess so it was last year called The World's on Fire and We Still Fall in Love. And, and you know, I was talking to you earlier about just the, the metaphor of the world being on fire. It's not even a metaphor in so many ways. And so I'm glad we're talking about, you know, the topics we're talking about today. But yeah, Parker Woodland is my band. I write the songs. I play bass. I sing. Um, and we write songs about kind of the values and the mission that we're going to be talking about today, but from like a punk rock vibe. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Check them out. Tell us about your involvement in Unitarian Universalist circles. Okay. So I'm a lifelong Unitarian Universalist, but I've been an ordained UU minister for about five years now. And at this point, I am the minister and executive director of the, and it's a mouthful, so I'll take a breath, but of the Texas Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry. And so I lead the justice ministry for our state, meaning that I help coordinate congregations and Unitarian Universalists um, you know, to take actions for justice with our faith values at the root of it. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. so then I want to hear more about that, yeah. more of the specific actions that y'all are doing, but... Let's back up and educate me about why that matters. From a UU perspective, from a faith perspective, how does that inform your care for the earth? Um, why is you know what I would call environmental stewardship a priority for you? Absolutely. So before I go like back into the why, I, I will say that for the Texas UU Justice Ministry, which we pronounce the acronym as Texujum, 
25 of our congregations that are members of the Texas UU Justice Ministry voted in 2020 for our legislative priorities from 2020 to 2022. And so relevant to today, I just wanted to let folks know that those priorities that they voted on are racial justice, followed by environmental justice, healthcare access, economic justice, and voting rights. So racial justice and environmental justice intersect quite a lot, um, as racial justice really does with everything. That priority around the environment is very high for the organization that I represent. And that is reflective of Unitarian Universalists in general as a people of faith. So our we have sources, we have principles, we're a non-creedal faith. So the folks sitting in the pew next to you might not believe the exact same thing about the divine. Um, someone in the pew with you might believe um, in an afterlife and someone might not. Um, we have pagan UUs, we have Christian UUs. Our faith connections are around principles and values, not so much around um, the creed or dogma. So for us, um, one of those principles is the interconnectedness of the web of life that we consider us all to be a part of. Okay. And so, yeah, for many you use that it deeply, deeply connects us to um, work around climate justice, around the environment, care and stewardship for the earth. So this web of life, uh, everything being connected, there being consequences to our actions, good, bad, and otherwise. I kind of wanted to put that in the context of what we're looking at with this edition of all creation of, of dominionism. Mm -hmm. And before we hit record for this conversation, and I was mentioning that you're going, see, and that's something that's not really thrown around in UU circles, th this, that word dominionism. Right. But so I, I when you brought that up, I was looking forward to talking about it with you because, um, like I said, I was raised Unitarian Universalist, and I would say that dominionism is really not a word that I heard at church. I certainly have heard in, you know, among my Christian family, I have Christian heritage, the idea of the kingdom of God, the dominion of God, and, and all of that. And I, and I do think that for you, use this idea that we are trying to create for each other as human beings a sense of as, as divine and a loving and a caring and compassionate experience in this life as we can. But I really am excited to learn from you about how the idea of dominionism relates to the environment and the earth as well. I'm hoping we can have like, I can have some mutual learning today. Yeah, well, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and put a pin in what you just said about this life. I want to get back to that in talking about heaven on earth, Yeah. right? Okay. So Dominionism, specifically what we're getting at is the idea that comes from the first creation story in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, where it says that God gave humankind dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living creature. We human, human beings have dominion. Mm. And that is, um, I would argue, incorrectly hmm. interpreted, but very popularly interpreted to be an open and shut case saying that we human beings, um, the Anthropocene, that we can do whatever we want with creation, that it is biblically mandated. Not, not only that do we have a past to do it, but we're encouraged to take whatever we hmm. need and to get anything and everything that we can out of creation. Um, and so 
in, in looking at it from a perspective that is not so anthropocentric, mm-hmm. one that says, okay, so we are a part of creation, like you're saying, we're a part of the web of life, then that changes things where dominion isn't about this um, hierarchy where we can do whatever we want with everything that's underneath us. It's much more of an equitable plane of of uh, taking care of one another, mm-hmm. um, taking care of every creaturely being in the entirety of creation, be it a four-legged or a tree or the water that we drink. So dominionism takes on a different um, definition or, or we have a different understanding of it when you look at it that way. So sure. that's kind of what um, I was wanting to unpack with you in in terms of the web of life that the UU is looking at. What is the, how can I put it? What is the identity of humankind in the web of life for a UU? Right. Well, I would say that for me, I, I hadn't thought about humankind as being at the top of any kind of like living creature hierarchy before. Maybe and that's I, one of the benefits of being raised in the UU and everything <laughs> like that, too. I mean, well, I mean, we have plenty of hierarchy. We have lots of work to do to dismantle, you know, hierarchies. We we all do, and and our our faith tradition is not immune to that at all. And um, but I, I I guess I haven't thought about it. It hasn't felt that way to me. That hasn't been a part of my faith DNA. Um, and so what I would say we have to grapple with and are grappling with as a faith that relates to that idea of dominion. To me, our first principle speaks to the inherent worth and dignity of every person. So I'm going to say that again, the inherent worth and dignity of every person. It's just such a pillar of my faith tradition. But what I believe it's meant to be is our piece of liberation theology, that we are saying that the people who have been told they don't have worth and dignity, people who are queer or trans or who are being judged on race or culture or immigration status, all of that, it is meant to claim equal worth and dignity for them. But where we go wrong is when we interpret it to mean like individual freedom in a way that supersedes the earth or supersedes the needs of community, supersedes the needs of those on the margins or those closest to the, the concerns of our times, right? So so we're really asking ourselves as Unitarian Universalists right now, especially those of us whose faith is rooted in justice work, um, is is where, where can we go forth into the field? Um, there's a beautiful Rumi quote that I won't be able to remember right now after a very long day. But, you know, where will you go into the field and meet someone away from this individual, you know, the selfishness that says, I'm going to use everything I can. I mean, that leaves us with nothing. Eventually, what are my kids, my grandkids, you know, what are your kids and your grandkids going to have? But that we meet in a place where we're seeking community, sustenance, a sustainability for this home that, I mean, if the earth isn't divine, then what? I mean, for me, I mean... What an incredible place to to live. (laughs) Like sometimes I just look out, you know, we're sitting here in my home in Bastrop and I expect a deer to walk by at any minute. And, you know, I mean, it's just, I'm in awe of the divinity of the earth. Yeah. So the earth being divine, what an incredible place to live, the here and now. And that gets back to what you had mentioned before about heaven on earth. Yeah. And I I just, I'd love to hear more about what is the... So that kind of ups the ante, right, about this uh, beautiful 
the, the, the divine earth, there's a, there's a increased sense of urgency to take care of this here and now. Uh, tell me more about the, uh, a UU take on the present and, um, I guess in contrast with a, a, a Christian take on apocalyptic theology that focuses on the hereafter to the, to, to the detriment of the here and now. Right. Well, I mean, I will be thrilled if I show up in the afterlife and it's incredible and puts this world to shame and my, my late great father is there and Johnny Cash is there and like all the people I want to see are there. I mean, I'm not ruling that out. I'm just, I consider myself a spiritual humanist and many of you use fall into that category where we're really, our spirits are concerned about how we care for each other and how we steward our relationships, our lives, our actions in the here and now. So our faith tradition includes an array of sources, and that definitely includes, we grew out of the Christian tradition, Unitarians and Universalists, those two faith traditions separately evolved, um, you know, as sort of liberal strands of Christianity um, in Europe, and as they came to the United States, found themselves more and more similar, and so eventually didn't even merge until the 1960s. So as a difficult to say, long name for a faith tradition. We're really not that old, um, but you know our roots are really deep with Christianity. So we, we bring forth a lot of those stories and a lot of those influences, and we also call upon other sources, such as Buddhism, which has a lot of um, meditative here and now practices that speak deeply to a lot of our people and definitely do to me, um, pagan traditions for a lot of our folks. So, I mean, I, there's so much I could say, but, um, for me, it's just, I, I, I also, I was very afraid, very afraid of death as a child. Mm. And so there was fear about what would come next. And then I lost people that I loved and survived that. And that experience also has influenced the way I look at the here and now of wanting to just seize life, appreciate life, live a spirited life. And I, I also feel like that relates to my, my love of the earth and yeah. And I, and I think that both and approach uh, that, that more incorporating approach of, uh, you, um, sacred texts and ways of looking at the world would be a good word for the apocalyptic theology that I was just saying about Christianity, where it doesn't have to be looking ahead to the detriment of, of, What's happening right here? A couple of my fa- uh, favorite scriptures are when Jesus in the gospel instructs us on how to pray, and one of the things that he gives us is what's informed what we call the Lord's Prayer, where one of the things he says is, "Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." That's the prayer that has come out of right. his instruction for this is how you should pray. The other one, though, is from Revelation. The last book in the in the uh, Judeo Christian canon of the Bible, and that is often thought of as this like end times apocalyptic book, but it ends with saying that God comes and lives with them, us, that God comes to be with us, and so I think of that as like, well, then why wouldn't we want to take really good care of this here and now that we've got? in order to make way 
for the creator of all things to come and be with us at this big party. Yeah. Well, and I, you have me thinking about, you know, there's so much story that we share with our kids, um, as people of faith around, um, you know, greeting the stranger, you know, Jesus as the stranger, Jesus as the homeless person, as the, you know, person on the street. And, you know, you could think that same way about the earth, right? I mean, like if, what if this is, what if this is heaven, (laughs) right? Like he, you know, if, if God sent his son here, if we are his people, if these are, you know, all of this is God's kingdom. I should say their kingdom, her kingdom, the kingdom. Um, you know, what if, what if, what if this is it? Um, you know, and, and, and so can we treat it as holy and, and what do we have to lose? Um, you know, again, even if there is this whole other thing that puts this to shame, what, what do we have to lose by treating this place as holy now? I mean, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. And I think that, uh, one, a lens through which uh, you could see what you just said or hear, hear what you just said is, uh, if it's a consumeristic, individualized, mm-hmm. like you were saying before, just this hyper individualized lens, um, then it, it would it would hear hear that as like, well, well, then this is as good as it gets, mm. as as pejorative. It's it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, lame. This is the, I, I don't want that. But if you look at it as uh, through this uh, lens of mutuality and equity and neighborliness mm-hmm. and sharing, et cetera, then it's like, yeah, this is as good as it gets and it can be even better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is something to celebrate and not to be bummed about. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the songs that I wrote um, that's called Wake Me Up was me trying to capture the feeling that I have sometimes that just comes over me. I'll just be, you know, like walking into my bathroom or something. And I just feel this like sparkle in my heart of just like incredible awe and gratitude to just be like in this world. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and we are in great danger of losing it. I don't want to be Pollyanna about this. I mean, our earth is suffering and there's a new, um, uh, sector of ministry. Um, you may have heard about of, of people who are offering sort of grief counseling for folks about their, their grief for what's going on with the earth. I mean, Mm -hmm. it has been, people are rightly grappling with, um, just deep, deep grief and, and depression around what they're seeing, you know, I mean, and, and I think for some of us, it's like, maybe you move and you go to another city and then you come back and you see a place you used to live. And it's like, it's changed so much, or, you know, here where we are in Bastrop, we've had multiple, you know, devastating fires. And, you know, how do we, um, how do we grapple with the climate change and, and chaos that, that we're seeing? So it is very real. I, I don't want to just put, you know, I, I have an, um, a hope orientation and it serves me well in this life, but I also think we have to be really real about, we have a lot of reckoning to do and a lot of work to do. And people of faith need to harness faith language, um, for that work for the earth. Okay. Some of that, the ripple effects of what you're talking about with the grief counseling, that what came to mind for me was um, a young person in our congregation who graduated not too long ago, went to MIT, is about to graduate from MIT, and they are constantly grappling with similar kinds of grief and lament. And it's about, okay, so do I enter the workforce with these incredible credentials that I have and work for companies that are, con- are going to perpetuate 
right. dominionism that are going to perpetuate just doing whatever we want with creation? Or am I going to do something that I'm more passionate about, which is um, promoting sustainability and finding ways for us to be better and do better uh, at the expense of, you know, quite literally having anything in my pocket and there's grief and lament that comes with that. Not, not, and I, and I don't mean just like grief and lament over, I'm not going to make money, grief and lament over having to make that kind of right. life choice and that this is the kind of world we're living in that I got to make that choice. Right. So right. that makes it difficult for us as, as ministers. It does. And then, so, so, so many things are coming up for me as you're talking. I just really appreciate the chance to have this conversation, but I mean, you know, we need our spiritual tools, right? Um, Lamentation is one of my favorites. Um, Derek Jackson, I know. Derek Jackson, who's a, a minister at the seminary that I went to in Chicago, um, Meadville Lombard Theological School, does a lot of teaching around lamentation, around um, arts practices. Because one of the things that's really important, I think, for Unitarian Universalists, and that I'm constantly talking about as a music minister and an activist, is that we do not fall into despair. We need our joy practices, our spiritual practices, our sustenance practices to keep us uplifted enough to be doing the work. Because for us, not all of us, but many of us in my faith tradition do have at least the choice that you're describing for this person. How do we make our, our work choices to reflect our values? Many people are in a place of just needing a job to feed themselves, right? And so there's a lot of different layers at which the climate and environmental justice struggles affect people, um, you know, people who are indigenous, black, people of color, um, you know, people who are poor, you know, so there's a lot of layers to how this all affects us. But, but what's important, what I, what I just want to make sure I'm just really clear about for, for us is that we have this balance to strike of facing the hard work that we have to do and making sure and that's what being a person of faith does for us is helps us have support to stay in the work and not fall into despair. Oh, woe is me. Oh, da, da, da. You know, when, when we, if not us, who, mm -hmm. right? We are so needed. Um, and we, and really truthfully, like politicians in this country for better or worse, um, really respond to the calls of people of faith. So they do. Yeah. And this is one of the things I was saying to people in church um, in Georgetown, Texas, the other day. If there's one thing that I would hope that people across all kinds of political and religious differences could unite around, it would be stewardship of the earth. You know, my folks I know who are way on the other side politically from me care about the earth for the sake of their farms and hunting and all these things. You know, like we've got to be able to find common ground around the earth. Mm -hmm. And even if we draw narcissistic energy from having political battles, we got to have an earth in which to have those battles. It's so true, there's sir. an urgency for true. us to do it's it. It's very true. I'm not, I am definitely not having political battles in the afterlife. There you <laughs> I'm go. I'm going to be with Johnny Cash. I'm going to be on a boat fishing. <laughs> I'm going to be playing rock and roll. Don't come to me with like, no, I'm just, but yeah, no, we got to work this out now. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. So that's a good seg. I was uh, learning about a guy named Fred Small who was uh, big in UU circles. Apparently he was the minister for uh, uh, the UU church in Cambridge, hmm. Massachusetts for several years. But then he left parish ministry to pursue what he named the Creation Coalition. Hmm. And he said he got the name from uh, thinking about the Christian Coalition. Hmm. And 
while he, of course, disagrees with the majority, if not all, of the political stance of the Christian coalition, he really appreciates their work, really appreciates their organization oh, yeah. and and their ability to get stuff done. So back to what you were saying about politicians will listen to people of faith. That's why he formed the Creation Coalition. And I know that you're doing an incredible amount of work with that. I'd love to hear what is on the burner for you right now with that. Thank you. Man, so many people are working so hard on this. And I will talk about some specifics, and, and but I want to say to folks is another antidote to despair is to realize that you're in this together with a lot, a lot of good people, a lot of hardworking people. And so I always want to encourage people to find one thing that they can do. We're the interconnected web of all life. We're not going to each be doing it alone and we're not going to be doing it all. So like find the one thing that's, that you can start with, you know, one action. Sign one petition to President Biden about climate or, um, you know, reducing fossil fuels. But I will lift up a couple of things to you. So we have what's called the um, Unitarian Universalist Ministry for Earth. And that's an organization that folks can look up, the UUMFE. One of my dear friends in Austin, Allie Tharp, is the co-director of that and has been doing incredible work um, for a long time. Um, and Reverend Daniel um, is in that work with her as a co-leader. So UU Ministry for Earth is one I just want to encourage folks to look to, whether you're a Unitarian Universalist or not. Um, and then the Texas UU Justice Ministry, my organization, you can always come and find us. Our website is mid-upgrade but txuujm.org. And we are working, I'm going to find this for you because, again, all the words. Um, we are working with um, over 1,100 groups that just released a letter today. Um, this is late February when you and I are talking, but by the time people hear it, um, take a look and see what President Biden has done because we are putting pressure on him, um, what's called the Build Back Fossil Free Initiative asking him to stop approving fossil fuel projects and declare a national climate emergency. So folks delivered this letter from this, this huge coalition, um, many of our congregations, um, lots of partner organizations, along with the Texas EU Justice Ministry and our national organizations, delivered this to President Biden today with a gigantic presidential pen and executive order to um, hopefully entice him to really... <laughs> Making things easier. Yeah, we want to help you. We want to help you get on board with this. Um, but basically asking President Biden to use his executive powers to do the things that he's asked for, um, that he said he would do around... Um, protections for the environment. And there's a long list, but I'll, I'll just encourage you to go, um, folks who are listening to this, and look up Build Back Fossil Free. Thank you. Of course. That's great. I mean, the coalition work feels like the way to me. You know, again, it's, it's this inherent worth and dignity of every person. Like, yes, I want to be affirmed for who I am as an individual, but the, the liberation for the earth and for each other is going to be achieved together. So on that note, when you talk about a coalition and us doing this work together, is this something that is exclusive to Unitarian Universalists? Tell no. me more about that. No. So, I mean, this coalition, um, we were contacted here in Texas by what's called Side with Love, which is the national UU justice organization, but they work in collaboration and partnership with organizations all around the country. And so the same is true of our reproductive dignity efforts, our racial justice efforts. Um, it's very important to us that we be 
responding to the asks of partners who are directly impacted um, and partners who are at the front lines. So everyone's invited. Anytime I talk about the Texas UU Justice Ministry or UU efforts, come and find me, whatever your faith background or no faith background, because we want to be working with everyone. That sounds great. And that's so powerful, too, because some of what I'm learning in having these conversations with amazing people like you, with Imam Islam Mossad, um, with Dr. Norman Wurzba um, from Duke Divinity School, and I have a conversation coming up with Rabbi Matt Rosenberg, as well as through the contributions that are, that are written from people who are contributing to the Spring Equinox edition of All Creation, is that there's a common thread about nothing's going to change unless we change our perspective. Mm how it is that we look at the world, how it is that we look at the environment Mm -hmm. has to change um, in order for us to get anything to change. And I feel like you can't have, well, I feel like one of the ways to, to foster that kind of perspective change, that Greek metanoia of a complete change of perspective is in doing that kind of collaborative work like you're talking about. Nothing can be more encouraging than the recognition that I'm not alone, right? And if I'm doing this alongside people who are different from me in religion, in culture, in name the box that we're Mm -hmm. put in, but we can unite across those differences to address the urgency of taking care of the earth, then that will foster more of that, oh, so this is important to you too? Then... I see things differently now. Right. Right. You can't just have a change of a perspective, just will it on your own. Sometimes you got to roll up your sleeves and do this work alongside people. Absolutely. And it's done in relationship, right? And, and when we talk about relationship, um, you know, I do a lot of um, anti-racism coaching in particular with a program called Beloved Conversations that comes out of that same seminary. And so, for example, this morning I was working with a team of folks from a congregation in Pittsburgh over Zoom. The silver lining of this pandemic is getting to do this work with people all over. And this group of folks in Pittsburgh are working to look at anti-racism in the systems and the practices of their congregation, how to be more welcoming, how to be more multiculturally welcoming. And I'm just thinking about the ways that we are able to do that, but in little steps. We want so, we want change to be fast, right? You talked about the the Christian coalition. I mean, the the changes that folks have been making on a conservative side of so many of these faith and political issues, they have been working on for decades, meticulously. You look at some of the things that are in the courts. And so for those of us who are, I, you know, identify very much on the progressive side of things, we also need to be willing to meticulously make small steps, build relationships, one conversation at a time, one meeting at a time, one experience at a time, while also holding this like radical, amazing vision of like the beloved community that we can be building together. Like we need to see the big glorious picture while also being willing to, you know, do what you and I are doing right now, which is have one-on-one conversations across faith perspectives and things like that. I feel like I had other things I wanted to say, but that's enough for now (laughs) in that, in that one little, in that one little container. (laughs) It might come back to you. This is great. So, so how about we wrap up with this? I wanted to ask you about what gives you hope and let me put it, let me frame it like this. One of the other things that I learned about uh, Reverend Small's story, the UU minister with the Creation Coalition, is that when people ask him, why is this work so trudgingly slow? 
Why aren't people responding to it more readily, given the fact that it's obviously urgent? And he says that because people don't have hope, that they Mm. look at this situation and they just have this sense of hopelessness. Now, that uh, that interview that I'm referring to was is like five years old, and things have gradually changed since then, where people are feeling more hopeful. I, I feel, but it's still very much a reality that when we look at trying to turn yeah. the tide when it comes to climate change and making the earth more sustainable and taking care of the biosphere, um, it, there's a hopelessness. So, where do you get your hope from? Okay. I mean, I could ask it in terms of what do you do to take care of yourself, yeah. but you're you're such a joyful person, you're so, <laughs> so you're such an inspiring, motivating person. Where do you find your hope? Okay. All right. This is one of my favorite questions, so don't let me forget to answer it, but I remembered what I want to say earlier and it's so important to me and it's not on the hope spectrum. So I'm going to go I'm going to rewind for one second, okay? Yeah. All right. So what I want to say is what we and maybe this is in some ways a source of hope, but what we need to be doing is hearing the calls and trusting the stories and the experiences of people at the front. And on climate, it is often people of color and indigenous people. So here in Austin, we have had multiple situations recently where our water was undrinkable. And we had to boil our water and all this, you know, and people were very put out about that. Well, when you think about what's gone on in Flint, Michigan mm-hmm. for years, so and, and I've been thinking about people in Flint, you know, during these times in Austin. And, and, and so just, I'm a white person, you know, as much as we can not spend time having these philosophical debates with people about their lived experience, but to hear and receive as a gift, the messages, the truth, the Bring news, the margins to the middle, please. Um, it behooves us all. Right. Um, so, uh, that was what I wanted to say, just in terms of thinking about the water crisis in Austin and, and the longer one in Flint. Thank so, you. Yes. Um, hope. So I have hope when I see people listening to those messages, number one. I think we are getting, white people in particular, you know, I speak to my own experience, um, we are making strides in that. I mean, we got a long way to go, but I see more listening um, in my own faith community. I see more... We talk about move up, move back. I see more people, a willingness to move back and listen and and, and be there for other people to move forward. And I want to see more of that. Um, but gosh, hope. I mean, <sighs> fresh air, sunshine. I mean, have you seen that Texas sun? I mean, this <laughs> every day, joy cometh in the morning. Um it's always darkest before the dawn. I mean, that's my prayer that like, that this will be a wake up call this time of such climate crisis and that we will take that call, answer that call, use our faith values to turn it around. But yeah, I mean, I have so many sources of hope and everybody has to, has to claim their own. I always tell my people in these workshops, these anti-racism workshops and, and in the Texas U justice ministry, like, what are your theme songs to get you through? I take my dog for a walk through the trees here in Bastrop, and I just sing, do you know the song, Whoa, Yeah, Yeah? Uh, t- Can I sing me. it for yeah, you? please, please, please. It goes, we are going, heaven knows where we are going, but we know within, and we'll get there, heaven knows how we will get there, but we know we will. It will be hard, we know, and the road 
world will be muddy and rough, but we'll get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, yeah. It's the theme song for this work for me. And so I just always ask people to have one. And you can look up the origins of that song. Um, I, I give thanks for its existence. But like, find your song, find your thing that you can just walk and look at trees and, and like restore yourself because we need everybody for this. I got more hope. <laughs> thanks for letting me sing. I wasn't planning to do that. But man, I just, when you ask about hope, music is a big part of it for me. I'm glad you did sing. I got more hope. Well, listen, Aaron Walter, thank you for taking time to talk with us and sing with us at All Creation. And um, I hope all of you got even half as much as I got out of this tremendous conversation. Um, and Aaron, here's hoping that in that afterlife that Johnny Cash and your late great dad will be hanging out together. Yes, sir. And that in the meantime, we can be treating each other and this earth that we share with that amount of joy. Thank you. I really appreciate the chance to visit with you about this really important topic. And, and I hope we'll, we'll be doing more work together. Thanks.